It's been really nice. Also, I get to be like this nosy neighbor because I inadvertently end up looking into people's homes and like, I've just seen this Boba <laughs> Fett drawing behind you. I'm like, who did that? That's cool. Yeah, my brother got that for me. Um, uh, Boba Fett's got Han Solo on it as well. So, and then up higher is uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, so, yes, I've loved it because I've been kind of having lovely conversations and, and, and being like a nosy neighbor into people's homes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. This is the CBF Podcast Conversations. Each week, we are bringing you stories from across the world of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and creativity from practitioners, ministers, thinkers, authors, and more. I'm Andy Hale, your podcast host. We're excited about another year of delivering interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. This platform is not designed for you to listen on an island unto yourself. Share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Tucker, Georgia. Warsaw, Poland, San Francisco, California, and Sydney, Australia. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We also want to give a special shout-out to some of our podcast listener supporters, including Carson Fushi, Cindy Foldendorf, Bill Johnson, Ralph Stocks, and that anonymous person that keeps giving a gift in honor of CBF. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our three annual sponsors, the Center for Congregational Health, McAfee School of Theology Doctorate and Ministry Program and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. And now, on to our conversation. This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health, whose mission is to help faith communities and their leaders thrive. Healthy congregations can transform their communities to be more compassionate, faithful, and just. Utilizing a network of highly skilled coaches, consultants, and intentional interim ministers, the Center supports congregations and ministry leaders to address the challenges they face. Visit their website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about how the Center can be your trusted partner in ministry. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Garth Jennings. He is the acclaimed writer and director for several of my favorite music videos of all time, including Radiohead's Jigsaws Falling Into Pieces. Uh, you also recognize the directorial work of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the Sing franchise. Uh, Garth, thank you for uh, joining the conversation. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. So you have a second Sing movie coming out. Uh, like the first film, this movie incorporates dozens of amazing actors and brilliant music. Uh, in what ways do you think your early work in directing and producing music videos prepared you for writing and directing these music films? Oh, gosh, I think it, I wouldn't be here without it. In fact, I, I'd go back further than that. I'd go back, I think I wouldn't be here without my mum and dad playing so much music in the house when I was growing up. I really think it was forged there. Um, without me knowing it, I was sort of just all this music was just being blasted all the all the time. A very, very sort of wide range, eclectic mix of music, of lovely music. And that just kept 
being part of my daily diet through my life and then meeting friends at art school and, and, and wanting to make films, but also loving music who lo they loved it as much as I did. Yeah. We started making these music videos together. And that was this sort of, in a way, we didn't realize this was what was happening, but it was a distillation of all our passions and sort of like a fusing of everything we loved and, and learned so much from that process of working with artists and trying to capture what we loved about a song with visuals was, was such an interesting and lovely journey to go on. And it really has, been the sort of bedrock for you know being able to approach these these big these two sing movies which are so much about music and so much about capturing what we love about music you can't just just put music in there you have to feel it and so so fusing the pictures and the characters and the hearts and souls of these characters with these songs has been has been massively informed by what i've learned in the past there's so many um you know wonderful themes uh and and the film one of the most challenging themes um is is on grief and, and the yeah. audience is drawn into the story of clay calloway a music star that's been living in seclusion after his wife uh, had passed in, in what ways has your uh, personal grief helped shape the way that you tell the story um it's been all all of the songs had to be rooted in something that music can do for us i mean there's more than it can do in, the, in this one movie but things like grief and music and how interconnected they are for me is I, I can't really separate the two that the, 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 the idea that music can heal, that can help heal. Um, it can't fix anything, but it can certainly, you know, be there and comfort or, or, or share that, you know, share that feeling with you. You know, sometimes just sharing it is a big deal. Um, and for me, you know, when we've lost family members, it is extraordinary how much music plays a role in how we're able to process it. Sadly, I've been through a couple of funerals in the last year of people that should not have gone. It was way too soon. And looking back now, I wasn't aware of it at the time. It's extraordinary to me how much music was a part of us all being able to let go. It was actually my son had to sing at the last funeral a song that was um, you know, the, the, the departed's favorite song. And that was the thing that all eight was able to, you know, join us all together. Um, and uh, yeah, it can, it can, it can, music can be part of our lives in incredibly profound ways, but also just to be there as a comfort, as a, as a, uh, somebody to be beside you. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, it, I do. Yeah. 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 I, I, well, I, I will say it was a companion as I watched it with my seven and 10 year old. And I was just sobbing as I'm going through the story <laughs> with Clay Galloway. And, you know, my kids are looking at me and it's a teaching moment to talk to him about the, the type of grief we experience in our life. And certainly, yeah, how music can can bring us back out. Of yeah, I that. love that at the end. It's that love of the audience, the love mm -hmm. that the audience feel for Clay Calloway that brings him back. And they do they express that through singing to him. Obviously, it's a musical. It had to be through singing. But it was also it's also something that Bono, who plays that character, felt very strongly about. I think if we were just saying, oh, we would like you to do a voice and we're going to just drop some of your songs in there, there would be no conversation. He wouldn't be in it. But he he recognized in us, you know, people that wanted to tell a story that was that, that meant something and certainly something he believes in, which is, you know, just how powerful music can be in our lives. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, who invites you to support its mission of equipping thoughtful and practical leaders for service in the church and the world. Thanks to the generosity of a committed donor, all gifts to BSK through December 31st will be matched dollar for dollar up to $20,000. 
Your gifts will support students from 10 states who are preparing for Christian ministry at BSK. Give today at bsk.edu backslash give. BSK wishes you a blessed Advent and Christmas season. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. Yeah, speaking of which, how did you convince Paul David uh, Houston to, to to lend his voice and his, his you know, YouTube's music to this? Film? Yeah, it's like I went after him with a butterfly net and just caught him. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's uh, it is extraordinary, and I I still find the fact that we're even having this conversation incredible. Uh, I, I, he was has always been a hugely important part of my upbringing in terms of that music and what he meant as a person as well. What an extraordinary person. I, I, I can tell you what happened. He'd seen the first film and, uh, and he'd really liked it. And I didn't know this. We'd sent him the outline of the character and the proposal for the, for the sequel. And I suddenly got this message saying, Bono's going to phone you. And sure enough, he phoned exactly when he was going to set, said he was going to phone. Nobody does that. Certainly not rock stars. But there he is on the button on the second. And we had this beautiful, like 45 second, 45 minute 45 seconds wouldn't be beautiful at all. It's <laughs> 45 minute conversation about the movies and music and what it means to him and what it's meant to him through his whole life and how he, he could see that this character could embody some of the things that he holds, you know, to be very, very important. And certainly grief is something that he has experienced. He experienced early on. And it's, he says it's sort of partly why he found his voice. Um, so I think it was that relatability and that connection. And, um, and obviously wasn't, into, I, I, he could recognize a fellow kind of person, somebody who loves music. I'm not a musician, but he could see that I am someone that adores it and treats it with great respect. So I think that enabled him to come on, to, to knit, start this journey to come on board. My gosh, it's been, it's been extraordinary. It really has. I've, I've been trying to convince my seven and 10 year olds for years that U2 is one of the greatest bands of, of all time. But thanks to you know, your use of their music in the film, they're now running around the house singing. Uh, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for or stuck right. in the moment. So a so personal word of thank you to you. For, oh, my for, gosh. For that's my, that. my, my pleasure. And I'm glad to hear it. It is hard to share one's own you know, musical loves and, and, and with, with the youngsters. They're very resistant to it. I don't want to listen to David Bowie or whatever it is. But if you find the right context, if it's presented in the right way and you, they and they get an emotional sort of buzz out of it too then then it can really help it really help you know, bring new music to to these these young ears so you know as you as you think you know the group obviously in, within the film uh, they had success in the first film but now they feel like they need to add this this aging rock star clay calloway to their show to get make them viable or worth something so who is your clay calloway in real life i mean I mean, Bono really was 
my Clay Calloway. I mean, that is my, I, that's my idol there, there. And, um, and that's why I didn't think before I got that phone call that he was going to even read that email, let alone phone me up. Um, and then on top of that, I have lots and lots of people I admire. Um, and they're not all you know, rock stars. Like my folks are fantastic. My dad, my mom and dad are amazing. My, my kid sister's hysterical. I think most of the jokes, I'm kind of inadvertently measuring whether my sister would actually laugh. Because I know if Zoe, my sister laughs, there's a good chance a lot of other people will laugh too. She's fantastic. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I just, I suppose I've always been in love with cinema and music and all these things. And it's filled with people who've gone out there and done something wonderful. And, you know, but, but there aren't that many people who stand as tall as Bono when it comes to that legacy of music. And also as a person to be so generous spirited in so many, so much, there's, I don't understand how he fits all this into his life. You've got to really commit to that. You can't just turn up, you know, donate a bit of money and go away. He's really in, in there with all of these things, all of these projects. He really cares. So that's, that's a fairly profound icon to look up to. Hmm. You know, there's so many themes also stick out to me as self-worth, uh, yeah. you know, that process of faking it till you make it. Uh, yes, yes, you know, yes. You know, but, but then also layered within there, I mean, it's amazing how you're able to put into this film so many different people's stories that they can connect with, you know, as you're, as you're writing something like this, you know, where, where are you going to? Are you having conversations with people who care deeply about to get so many different perspectives to share their story as part of the film? It's actually a very small group of people at the core of these movies. It's um, myself, Chris Miller-Dandry, Dana Krapinski, our exec producer, and our editor, Greg, and I'm not just name checking them to be nice. It literally is like a little group at the core. And once we start to feel that the things we're working on resonate, that they, they're not just working they're there. We're feeling something because you can have stuff that's like, Oh, that's good. He gives him the thing. That means he's got the key to this. You can have function, but without feeling, it really doesn't, it doesn't work, especially when you've got music as the sort of soul of the piece. Um, it really begins as, informal playful conversation and tearing things up and trying new things and trying to fight get to the root of what it is we're trying to say um and it's amazing how some things just go bang they just appear like lightning you're like wow where did that come from it's perfect and other things you really have to craft over time and, and you know, it takes a while to find exactly the right distillation of that story the essence of what you're after and there's a scene very early on where nana noodleman this sort of elderly sheep is giving Buster some advice. And um, that must have been the most rewritten scene because really what we were distilling was not only the, the movie's theme for the Buster's journey that he was going to go on, but also how we feel about life. You know, we realized we were, we, we're, we've got to stand behind this. And when she says to him, you know, it's all very well be having these dreams, but unless you have guts, stamina and faith, then really you don't stand a chance. You need these things. Uh, I think the only thing she she's omitted there is just how important your friends are um, on these journeys. But yeah, it, it's it's it starts small and then grows as as the movie grows, the team grows. It goes into animation, it goes into lighting and comp, it goes into the music production side of things, and everyone has to come on board with those feelings and that philosophy. So it starts small and but grows really big to like five hundred people. Well, my favorite part of, you know, these films and especially, um, you know, cartoons is being able to 
pick out the voice of people I know, you know, without having to look at the casting call. And right. my children and I were coming to the place and didn't realize this. The first one, I was like, I had no idea who voices Mrs. Crawley. I'm, I'm trying to think <laughs> in my mind. And I finally flip on IMDb. I was like, holy crap, it's the director. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's our, this our kid- weird English guy in his glasses. <laughs> how is he, how is he the, the, the lizard? And it was like, uh, but that was all because, you know, when you're making these films, you make it like in story reels first, really rough drawings, not rough, they're beautiful, but they're, they're just drawings. And, and, and we would work together in the office to create our own sort of audio radio play of the voices before you go to the cast, because that's when it gets tricky and expensive. So you try and work out your problems before you go to them. And one of the, I used to do a lot of those voices. I'd be Buster, I'd be Mr. Crystal, I'd be Clay Calloway. And I'd, I would do Miss, Miss Crawley even in the first movie. And it just stuck. It was just this kind of weird, you know, oh, kind of like a, <laughs> I was always said, it's like a kind of a failed Bob, Bob, SpongeBob SquarePants impersonation. You know, that kind of like, come on, Patrick. He has that kind of like amazing, oh, there's no share at work. And then there's this sort of like, and then, but Miss Crawley's kind of like, oh, she's kind of like, oh, oh, Mr. Moon. It's a sort of really kind of shaky voice. And I just, I would do, this is where I would record it. This is my little room where I do it. And, um, uh, and it just stuck. And I just love, I love being her. I love it. It's a little dream job. Well, the greatest review you can receive is from uh, two children in, in uh, Baton Rouge who have said this was better than the first film. So, uh, so yeah. Deborah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for producing stories that, you know, we can share not only as families, but also as an adult. I mean, I found myself yeah. again weeping and laughing my head off the entire time. So oh, that's thank wonderful. you for, yeah, thank you for generously sharing these stories with, with all of us. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. And I really appreciate your kind words. Thank you, Andy. Cheers. This podcast is presented to you by McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, who exists to train ministers who inspire the church and the world to imagine, discover, and create God's future. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, the McAfee School of Theology offers doctoral and master's degree programs, including a fully online Master of Divinity degree, the only fully online MDiv offered by a national research university. You can visit their webpage, theology.mercer.edu to learn more about their programs and scholarships. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF's podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, the Center for Congregational Health, and McAvee School of Theology's Doctorate of Ministry program. Check out cvf.net for more information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. Oh, and I don't think we've mentioned this, that you should join the listener community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.